Not only does Coffer Shores Meals on Wheels provide home-delivered meals for seniors, but we also host congregate meals every weekday at lunch. Seniors can meet fellow community members, socialize with neighbors, and enjoy a delicious, freshly cooked meal. We have multiple locations across the Keweenaw, including Park Avenue Apartments, Keweenaw Pines Apartments, Lakeview Manor, Maple Lane Housing, and the Chastel Fire Hall. Find out more about our Congress sites and join the fun by calling 483-1155. That's 483-1155. Once again, good Sunday morning and welcome to Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. Uh, successful Giving Tuesday in the books, and we're still kind of awaiting official figures on that. But thanks so much to everybody who contributed on this past Tuesday to the Giving uh, Tuesday Drive and the quarter million dollars in matching grants. And we'll have more details about how that came out. If you'd like to check out the latest, you can go to coppershores.org. That is their website. One of the organizations involved with Giving Tuesday this year, and it was for the first time, is the Keweenaw Snowmobile Club. And with a little bit of snow teasing us over the last few days here in the Copper Country, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about a couple of wintry things this week. We're going to have the Swedetown Trails Club in for the next segment of the program. But for the first segment, I welcome in uh, Chad ben, uh, Van Benicom and Mike Borley from the Keweenaw Snowmobile Club, and we'll get things set up for the season. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank Hello. you. Thanks for having us. Thank yes, you. For, thank you very much. Tom. Thank this you for coming great. in. Um, the little bit of snow that we got over the last few days, it's a bit of a tease, not nearly enough to work with, right? No, not nearly enough. How much snow do you need to get things ready and, and get the groomers out? Usually about 24 to 36 inches. Now, is that our measurement or is that real measurement? And I say that because people come up to me from downstate especially, and they said, you really get all that snow, 300 inches? And I say, well, yes, we do. We measure it when it's fresh, but it's lake effect, and by the time you know you turn around, it's down to two inches instead of six inches that we originally saw. What real measurement is that? It's actually 24 to 36, so it'll pack down once it's groomed, like two to three inches. Okay. All, so that's why we need quite a bit to get started. Yeah, because that, that lake effect snow is so dry. Mm-hmm. There's so little water in it. And, you know, we get two or three inches and people say, oh, that's great. For you guys, that's really not a whole lot. No, it's not. No, you can really just take a, a leaf blower and blow it away, really. Well, it's, I, tell, I tell people it's, it's the kind of snow that when you close your car door, it all falls off the car. Yep. Which, you know, they're used to, other areas are used to getting the heavy wet snow that we sometimes get, but uh, uh, our snow is, is so dry, so it does take a fair amount of what we consider snowfall to get you guys up and running. Is there a typical date by which you kind of count on being ready to go, or do you just have to wait for Mother Nature? We just have to wait for Mother Nature. Um, we're always ready to go on December 1st uh, when the trails officially open, however... Um, there's, there's not an official date. We're always ready, but we have to wait for the snow. Yep, and it uh, looks like since it's past December 1st now as we air this on Sunday morning, and we haven't had enough snow, it's going to be a while before we get things running, but we can certainly look forward to it, and we can certainly talk about what goes into making our trail system work and the work that you guys do as members of the Snowmobile Club to make these trails happen. Let's start with that grooming process. You have these big groomers, these big machines, that go out. Where do they come from? Um, the machines are granted to us from the state of Michigan. 
um, as part of our grant process. So uh, we apply on we every year we submit an equipment status report that kind of lets the state know where our machinery is, how things are holding up, um, if it's in need of replacement, um, and then as funds allow, um, there's a committee that those reports are submitted to, and then uh, the state decides which clubs are going to be getting new equipment that year. Where does that money come from? The sale of uh, snowmobile permits. So we want to encourage people to buy the permits. I know that there are people who kind of go out without them because it's not as if there's a snowmobile cop on every corner waiting to check your permit status. But they're not terribly expensive, are they? Uh, $52, so not not super expensive, and that's for the entire season. And it funds the trails, at least partially funds, I should say, the trails, and the maintenance of the trails and the equipment that you guys need, because those uh, groomers, they're impressive. they got to be pricey. Oh, they're yeah. expensive. Yep. Yes. Uh, they Each one, I think a new one of the units that we, uh, that we utilize is a piston bully product. And I believe they're just touching $400,000 for a new piston bully. Oh, my word. $400,000. Gosh, that's a lot of money. And yet, we recognize the importance of snowmobile trails here in the area. Uh, Not only for the snowmobilers who enjoy them, and some are local and some are tourists, but it's a vital part of our economy, isn't it? Yeah. Key economic driver for this area in the winter, snowmobiling. Yeah, the motels depend on it. Uh, the restaurants, our restaurants um, depend on it. Convenience service, the service industry in general. Yeah, uh, really depends on that. I mean, you can probably go up and down uh, 26 from here to uh, Lake Linden, and I would imagine a lot of the businesses are really uh, happy because that trail is going to be officially open. Oh, and that uh, is this season. That is the big news. Yeah. And that is that the trail up and down uh, the M26 to Lake Linden is going to be reopened after a long wait after the Father's Day flood all the way back in 2018. And over the initial objections of the DNR, who looked at it and looked at the cost and said, you know, we probably don't need this trail. And we said, oh, maybe we do. Who led the fight for that? I know you guys were involved. Um, we were involved. The ATV club up here, q ATV club, really led the charge on that. Um, their board really pushed, ruffled feathers, kept running it up the ladder. Um, so they really, really led the push on that. We were involved, but they were definitely the, the point contact. Yeah, and I know we, we give uh, some credit to Greg Markin and Ed McBroom, our state representative and our state senator. They, I know, were kind of pushing the DNR on this as well, and our local uh, economic development people were also behind that because they recognize, as we just talked about, the economic importance of having that trail. Well, when you look at this whole region, I mean, this is driven, when you, strictly on tourism, when you, if you would take away the educational and the healthcare part of it, um, the nice thing about it is that we're starting to see a uptick in a lot of specialized high-end engineering companies Yes, that uh, have figured out a way to employ 40, 50 plus engineers, you know, high dollar engineers and people from around the country that really enjoy the outdoor recreation that this region provides. And the legislatures understand that. The businesses, you know, uh, really depend on a combination of multiple uh, outdoor activities, whether it's the ATV uh, season, you know, during your summer months, your uh, mountain biking, 
you're you know you're kayaking you're hiking and in the winter you know snowmobiling is a real huge driver for economics in this region it is and and the trails also in to some extent and uh used by a few other things there are people who hike the trails every once in a while there are uh, people who take those big bikes out and uh, typically i think more at the swede town trails and places like that but occasionally i'll see them out along the roads and so those trails are a major economic driver and a very very fragile house of cards to keep them together because every once in a while i hear about trails that have to be closed because somebody who owns a piece of property turns it down. How does this trail system get put together in the first place? Uh, so yearly, um, uh, we renew land use permits with, with landowners. Um, so if a piece of property changes hands, we have to change uh, change our records there and ask them for permission again. Um, some landowners allow snowmobile, some allow ATV, some allow both. Um, so much of our trail is shared um but but we do have some independent trails that are only snowmobile only orv um but that's that's the main way uh atv clubs working on blazing a new trail right now which is an immense amount of work gathering all of the permits and um data to submit to the dnr to ask for it to be a trail it's it's an immense amount of work in a very long process they've been working on it for five plus years well and getting that dnr approval is essential because I mean, you can set up your own trail if you want to you can do it independently we've had had some of that in Barriga county over the years but getting that dnr approval is essential because at that point you fall under the state system there's some insurance coverage that comes along with that some other benefits to that yeah i was just going to say that that's it's a real good partnership with the state with the dnr and and i think in our organization uh, we're over 50 um contracts with private landowners and to your point todd is it does fall under the state, which then has uh, a, level, a level of protection from liability. I mean, you know, the insurance issue with any club is always a challenge. But with that partnership with the DNR from that December 1st to March 31st, and that's why the trails are official, is that covers that time frame. Yeah, and that's got to be a source of some assurance to those landowners that if, in fact, there's a, a mishap on their property, they are not going to be sued as auxiliary. I mean, they're the property owner, even though you've agreed to take on responsibility. These days, anybody can sue anybody. And if somebody gets into a, a crash or wanders off the trail and is on the actual private property, if there isn't sufficient insurance, I, as a landowner, would be really reluctant to let a whole bunch of snowmobiles cross my property. Oh, I totally agree. It, you know, it's it's really when we take on these adventures of the outdoors, you know, we have to accept a certain level of responsibility for ourselves and our actions. And we have to be really cognizant of the fact that we are on someone else's property, you know, whether it be the state, whether it be a private landowner. And it's, you know, it's just a respectful rule, you know, take care of it as if it was your own. And that's what we're really hoped for. Talking with uh, Chad Van Benicom and Mike Borley from the Keweenaw Snowmobile Club. Let's talk about some of that uh, issue, about good behavior out on the land, because all it takes is one clod who wanders off the trail and causes some damage to get an, 
owner who has uh, an essential set of trail to the point where they say, eh, you know, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. And then the dominoes start falling backwards. It sure does. Um, responsible use is the number one thing that we push. Be safe, but also be respectful. Um, because, yeah, without without those private landowners, we don't have a trail system. So that's one thing that we ask everybody to remember is that, yes, we do have a lot of state-owned trail property, um, but we we have a lot of private landowners. And, and as you spoke to, one, uh, one landowner revoking a trail use permit can cause a complete area to be shut down um, to, to snowmobile traffic and have to go through the rerouting process that you know we, we spoke about before. It's quite a lengthy process, um, so it can, it can really be damaging if we lose one of those permits. Well, yeah, you can have 20 miles of state trail on one side, 20 miles of state trail on the other side, and a 500 foot of private land, and if that private landowner backs out, all 40 miles becomes inaccessible. Well, and that's what we just experienced, you know, unfortunately in the Gogi area, in the Bessemer area, Wakefield. Yes. Unfortunately, they're working through that process. But, you know, and that's a classic example of a property owner changing, uh, you know, the, the policy that they have um, and closing that section of trail. And it does cause some issues. Yeah. The and, other that, and that was a commercial owner of property that was yes. one of the it ski a, resorts over yes, there, sir. actually. So uh, I would imagine it would be even a little bit more. Uh, iffy if you're talking about somebody who's just a private landowner and the house is over here and the trail goes back here and they're dealing maybe with a little noise from it or something like that and all of a sudden somebody winds up on their back porch that's a problem well and i think um chad mentioned the be safe which is a campaign the dnr is really pushing it's a a good campaign and you're going to see signage on trails and it's just going to remind that that visitor um, just to be to be safe and follow the the rules and, and act accordingly when you're on that trail system. And I'm ex I'm expecting that most people out there are obeying the rules and are and are good citizens. And the people who cause problems are a very small percentage of the snowmobilers who go out. Um, unfortunately, you know, it only takes one bad apple to spoil the bunch. How much does alcohol play into that? People go out and uh, have a few drinks and all of a sudden a little less inhibited? You know, I'm going to, as as a rookie in this organization, I'm just entering my uh, second year uh, as a volunteer treasurer. And coming from Wisconsin, this region, the distance between stops, if you will, I, I don't, I'm sure that's an issue uh, no matter where you are, but I don't see it as large of an issue. Um, in this region, I mean, we have some serious visitors from, you know, the Midwest that come up for the beauty of our trail system, which is, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, they they come to enjoy the outdoors and, and the environment. And it's, it's not like they're stopping every 10 or 15 minutes and maybe having a beverage. Um, our stops in between are very long stops. That's a point I hadn't thought of, and I'm glad you brought it up. It, it gives me a new perspective on it because I would suspect that the trail systems in more populated areas down towards Wisconsin, where the towns are closer together and the, there's more population, there's a lot more opportunity to stop in and have a drink here, stop in and have a drink there. Before you know it, you're not really fit to drive. That is correct, yeah, really. Um, what we see... Um, and personally, uh, a project that I did up in Copper Harbor um, is 
we'll see groups that will come up from Houghton and, you know, it's a good, nice hour ride and stop at one of the local restaurants up in the upper part of the Keweenaw, have a lunch or maybe have breakfast even, and then work their way through, you know, the region for the rest of the day. So it's, uh, it's not a five minute, you know, ride and then stop at another five, 10 yeah. minute ride. Uh-huh. And, and again, Chad can really uh, add to the, to the trail system that we have here. It's just a phenomenal trail system. It's the largest in the state of Michigan by by far. Um, how and many miles do you groom? Uh, 218 miles officially this year. And how often do you do that? Um, we try to have every trail groomed every night. Um, night grooming is best. Uh, it allows the trail to set up um, and stay better for longer. Um, and uh, so we try to hit every mile every night. Uh, sometimes it'll be every two days. Just depends on conditions and traffic. How many groomers does it take to do that? And how many volunteers does it take to staff that? We have five grooming machines. Um, and we have a team of 10 this year um, to cover all of those shifts. What's unique about our system, Todd, is in, to Chad's point, 218 miles, but that translates into close to 30,000 miles in the snowmobile system. In that whole season, we we actually are one of the few clubs, if not one of the maybe one or two other ones in the whole state of Michigan that we have to, we pay our groomers because when they do a shift, it's a 10 to 12 hour shift. Yeah. And in and it takes an individual that really is knowledgeable in the technique and the ability to groom those trails. I mean, when you put someone in a $400,000 piece of equipment, they're pulling a 30 foot drag behind them. They, they really have to be on top of their game. And we really have a class act of young groomers. We have a great trail boss in Justin. Um, and we really have put in procedures and processes that have really accelerated the efficiencies and the quality of the trail system that we have here. And just because those things cost $400,000 and look big, it doesn't mean that they're invincible. You get out there on a wet day and all of a sudden you find a wet spot and those things can get bogged down and then you got a problem. Yeah, very big problem, especially again up here where we're located. Uh, it's not like you're just going to call a big heavy equipment um, tow truck to come pull you out, right? Um, you might be you know, 20 miles from the nearest road, plowed road crossing. Yeah, it's not uh, like Superior Service can back a truck up. Correct, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about safety. You, you mentioned uh, the program that the, the state is involved in pushing snowmobile safety, and I know what's going to happen as the next few weeks unfold. I'm going to start getting press releases, and the press releases are going to come from law enforcement agencies, and they're going to say uh, there was a fatal snowmobile crash here. There's a fatal snowmobile crash there, um, a serious personal injury snowmobile crash here. And the comments that usually come with them are too much speed, and in some cases, alcohol appears to have been involved. Talk about how you ride safely. Ride right to the right side of the trail, so just as if you're driving a vehicle. Ride right, ride sober, um, and new this year that the state is adding to their campaign. Uh, the campaign as a whole is called Ride Right for Snowmobiling. Uh, new this year is when you're leading a group, ride to the ability of the least experienced rider in your group so that people aren't trying to keep up. That's when a lot of incidents are happening. People are trying to keep up. 
you know, you might have somebody at the back of your group uh, who gets to a stop sign and they're racing to try to get up to you. So maybe they don't stop all the way. Maybe they don't stop and look both ways. So ride to the least experienced person in your group. You might have been snowmobiling for 25 years, um, but Mike might be his first time on a snowmobile. Yeah. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. And, and when people are trying to keep up, we all get competitive. We all want to be <laughs> able to say, you know, oh yeah, I went and rode with Johnny. He's a 25 year veteran and I kept up with him. Um, but that's when, that's when things happen. Well, and if you're out in a group and you're a new rider and you're not familiar with the trails, you might feel a little bit nervous getting left behind and working on your own as it is. So you might feel a little panic and uh, want to catch up. And all of a sudden here comes that curve. And so many times I read it in these press releases, lost control on a curve, was thrown from the sled and hit a tree yeah. or something like that. And we really don't want to see that happen. Most of the time, I have to say, when I see those press releases, they involve people from outside the area. I think our local riders understand this stuff. I think it's the people who ride once or twice a year who come up from downstate or down in Wisconsin who have to remember that uh, it's... <laughs> you're, you're exposed. Well, the, the challenge there is you kind of really hit it. It's it's a person that is, one, is probably doesn't have the experience, and to Chad's point, is trying to catch up to the group because they panicked and they yep. and they go too fast at, a, at an intersection or a curve, and familiarity of the trail system. You know, they haven't rode on the trail system like a lot of the you know our residents here and the people that live and and work and play in the key when I do. And and that's the other factor. It's it's really, you know, that Ride Right campaign is really, you know, it's, it's no different than learning how to drive a car. You yeah. know, you got to follow the rules. Yeah, and the ability to judge conditions. Because sometimes if that track is real icy, you can lose it on the same corner that you took at that same speed couple of days earlier absolutely and so if you're only an occasional rider you don't necessarily have that ability to make the judgment about the conditions let's talk about your new garage yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is a major accomplishment for you folks uh, is it open yet when does it uh... it is not open yet uh we're very excited earlier this week we took delivery of the garage doors to uh get the facility closed in for the winter um, so we had, um, grants earlier this year, we were able to get in our heated floor. Um, so the floor is poured, there's concrete in the building. Um, and now, uh, we took delivery of the door, so it'll be closed in, um, and work is going to continue throughout the winter this winter, interior finishing, insulation, HVAC wiring, all those type of things, um, as funds allow throughout the winter, but we're very, very excited. When do you think it'll be open for actual use? If we're optimistic, we, we might are. Well we, be. we are optimistic. Our is I mean, at least half full well, in the studio. Always. No, um, you know, it's a great project and a great question. Our goal would be um, to be open for the season of 24-25, so next fall, to be able to be functional. Um, amazingly, the, the system, the units, the machines have been serviced in a facility, you know, north of, of Calumet and Mohawk in, a, in really – is lacking, you know, the uh, proper proper uh, conditions to really service them. Um, the guys have done a great job with what they had. And this project with the new maintenance facility in Calumet was a project started approximately 
four years ago. Four years ago. Four years ago. And just, you know, got going and then kind of stalled for many reasons. And uh, this year we really started to tell the story of the Cubana Trail Services, which is the, the nonprofit business, if you will, that that manages the trail system for the club and for the for the region. Um, and we formed a committee, and that committee was uh, – able to work with local contractors that have been extremely, extremely generous in their time in donations and in-kind services and to get it to this point where we were able to add uh, in addition onto the facility to to fit the new groomers uh, so they can properly be maintained. And to Chad's point, we were able to get uh, some matching grants. Um, We're currently waiting to hear uh, for another grant that we wrote um, and if we get that grant, then that's going to accelerate the completion process. But it's really a fundraising effort um, or a club. Um, the, the funds that come back, and we can talk a little bit about that later, uh, with the trail permit monies only uh, account for a portion of the cost to run the organization. Right. And uh, to that point, and we're getting to the end of our time here, I want to make sure that, uh, first of all, people know that you would love to have new members in your club, either as volunteers or financial supporters. And it's not all just work. You do fun things. I know you've organized rides and such. And, of course, you keep people updated about trail conditions. Absolutely. How do people find out about trail conditions and about joining the club? Uh, com is the easiest way, um, as well as there's a phone number on there. Give me a call. It rings to my phone. Um, and uh, <laughs> we can talk about what you might be able to do to help us. But com is the easiest way to join. Uh, you can join right through PayPal um, and be you know monetary donator. And then if you have time to commit as well, we're always looking for more help. And with that, we have to wrap things up. So uh, Chad Benbenicum and uh, Mike Worley from the Keweenaw Snowmobile Club, thank you for being part of the program. And thank you for all you and your members do to keep those snowmobiles trails going through the winter. Thank Thank you you. so much for having us. 